Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. I'm in a really salty, uh, upset mood today for the show, but that's all right. I will make it happen as I always do. Um, I'll get into that a little later. Producer Joe, how are you today? I'm doing good, Dan. I'm really doing well. Thank you. Glad yeah, to I'm be not. Here, baby. I'm, yeah, I, I'm not good today. So I got a lot to cover today for All you, right. and it's good when I'm not good because this week has been full of stupid liberal stories that get Woo! under my skin and really piss me off. Yep. To be candid, and now Nike jumps on the train. Sorry about the recording schedule. You could probably tell we had to record some of this stuff a little early due to some travel and the holiday, but. It doesn't matter. The content is still going to be frosty on your mind when I'm done. I want to get to Nike. I want to get to the media continuing to promote false narratives about the border crisis. No matter what, there is no amount of misinformation you can present to the media and prove to them that what they're saying is false. And they'll just continue to use it. You're not going to believe this story when I get to it after I just shred these imbeciles at Nike for the dumbest media uh, PR plan in the history of corporate America. All right. Having said that, today's show brought to you by Helix Sleep. Helix Sleep makes the finest mattresses out there. I love Helix Sleep. We have two of them in my house. Helix Sleep, here's what makes them different. Don't get some just run-of-the-mill mattress not customized to you. Helix Sleep, you take a two-minute quiz. They'll customize a mattress to your body type. What do you like? Side sleeping? You a hot sleeper? You like plush? A firm bed? With Helix, there's no more guesswork, no compromising. Helix Sleep is rated number one, numero uno by GQ and Wired Magazine. CNN called it the most comfortable mattress they've ever slept on just go to helixsleep.com slash dan take their two-minute quiz they'll match it to you a customized mattress for the best sleep the deepest sleep the deepest sleep of your life and for couples helix can even split the mattress down the middle providing individual support needs and feel preferences for each side they have a 10-year warranty and you'll get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free they'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it but you will, so you have nothing to worry about. Helix Sleep is offering a nice $125 off all mattress orders for our listeners. Up to $125 smackaroos off at helixsleep.com slash Dan. That's helixsleep.com slash Dan for $125 off. Helixsleep.com slash Dan. All right, let's go. All right, I think I almost got that, even though my my earpiece, <laughs> I think. Either my ears are going or my earpiece is going. It was just either way, you it's bad. It. Although I'd rather have the earpiece than the ear. All right, story number one. Nike doubles down on stupid. Unbelievably, um, Nike has decided to take their business advice from Colin Kaepernick, failed NFL quarterback who's protesting who knows what or was protesting everything from social justice to police officers. He seemed to change his story every two weeks. Um, was a supporter of the Cuban regime, uh, you know, the totalitarian, uh, totalitarian communist Cuban regime. Colin Kaepernick, most of you know who he was, was a quarterback. Uh, he, he quarterbacked for the San Francisco 49ers had one good season, a couple terrible seasons after that was then let go for disrespecting the national anthem, claiming to support social justice by wearing uh, socks, depicting police officers as pigs. So from the New York post, this story's real, folks. This is not the Babylon Bee or the Onion. Colin Kaepernick reportedly convinced Nike to pull flag themed sneakers. Here's the story. Nike had a sneaker, a sneaker line that on the back of it had the Betsy Ross flag, the 13 colonies. Mm-hmm. Many of you are familiar with it if you've seen the picture, right? Colin Kaepernick deemed the U.S. flag, the Betsy Ross flag, offensive. And according to this story, got Nike to pull the sneakers. Okay. Now, 
It'd be very easy for me again to shred Nike because Nike is one of the dumbest companies in America. Now, I know many of the liberals listening will say, well, you know, Nike stock price is up. Their sales were up. You are correct. I am not suggesting some boycott. I don't know if it damaged the company or not. I'm simply suggesting to you that in no business school you will go to. I mean, I went to business school. I don't tout my educational bona fides because I hate people who do that. But I'm not speaking here with forked tongue. I went to business school myself at Penn State. I graduated. I'm pretty familiar with what they teach on these curriculums there. Right. Even in some of the left-leaning business schools out there, Joe, uh, a business strategy is not to alienate potentially half of your customer base in the entire country. Now, Nike, by hiring Kaepernick, did that. I have Nike products. Um, I have sneakers and shirts I had bought before the Kaepernick disaster. I, you know, I didn't burn them. I mean, throw them and bury them in the yard or whatever. Um, I will not buy Nike anymore. Matter of fact, one of my younger daughters joked about that. One of my, one of, well, I have only one youngest daughter. She went to go get some cleats for soccer. It's funny, Joe. And uh, someone picked out a Nike thing someone in the family and uh she said no we can't buy these daddy said no good job All right. nice work by my daughter uh we will not buy nike anymore i'm not telling you what to do i'm not organizing some global boycott you make your own buying decisions i'm just telling you nike seems to be influenced by a guy who can't stand the cops and can't stand america for what it stands for as evidenced by his ability to show disrespect towards the american flag that's nike's guy but there's a couple of takeaways from this story you might have missed that are rather fascinating. First, let me point out the story by Ricochet by John Gabriel, who I follow on Twitter, rather interesting account. Gabriel has this piece up and, you know, of course, this is all going to have a price. Doug Ducey, the governor of Arizona, uh, struck back here. Here's the story at Ricochet. Since Nike pulled the U.S. flag shoe, Arizona might pull plug on the new Nike plant. Good for you. Here is from the piece. Excellent job by uh, Arizona Governor Doug Ducey. Listen, I hate tax benefits for individual companies as they are. You know what I'm talking about, Joe? Yeah. When they bring a... uh, you know, they bring a company into a state and they get specific tax benefits. We'll give you this kind of write-off, that kind of write-off. No, folks, we shouldn't be doing that anywhere. Just have a nice, low, fair, flat tax code in your state. Yeah. So Nike was getting, from the story, $1 million in permit fees. Uh, they were getting them refunded or getting them waived to build this factory in Arizona. This is a twofer for us. Arizonans save their tax money and their tax benefits. And Nike, they get to make a stand on Nike, which doesn't seem to care um, about the American patriots, but they care mostly about offending American patriots. Uh, here's uh, here's from the piece. Nike's made its decision. This is from Doug Ducey, and now we're making ours. I've ordered the Arizona Commerce Authority to withdraw all financial incentive dollars under their discretion that the state was providing for the company to locate here. Good job. Arizona's yeah, economy is doing just fine without Nike. Beat it. Sorry. We, they don't need Nike there. Not that kind of company. Adios, my it's friend. Terrible. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Now, secondly, in case you think, well, you know, Nike's just taking a principled yeah. stand on what they believe yeah. in. You know, they believe represent. Yeah, I, I mean, we already yeah. know this. But I'm just trying to set up yeah. thinking if liberals are listening, what's the natural flowing liberal counterattack from this. So the liberal counterattack is always obvious. Well, you know, Nike has the right to free speech. Of course they do. I'm not attacking their right to say what they want. Um, As long as it's not in violation of U.S. law, Nike can say or do whatever they want. That's not what I'm saying. Matter of fact, I'm telling you, you want to buy Nike? Buy Nike. I'm not, but I'm not, you know, I'm not organizing some global boycott of Nike. Do what you want. 
Cor- I don't. I don't. I don't. Uh, I, I don't prescribe corporate censorship of their speech. I'm simply suggesting to you this is a dumb ba- business strategy in the long run. Maybe you have some short-term <laughs> benefits among the woke crowd, but to alienate your customers as they get older, we're going to start to realize how dumb of a decision this was. But you may say, well, this is a principled stand. Nike's taking a stand against governments and the United States and whatever it may be. I mean, I'm trying to think of liberals. You know, it's hard for me to dump a few IQ points and think like liberals think in many cases, but... You know, they're taking a stand against organized government and, and, and you're standing for freedom. Oh, they are? Because here's a Nike press release. Hat tip Keith Urban on Twitter who pointed this out. By the way, I know Keith um, was going to do some uh, some work with him in the past. He pointed this out. News, and I left this in at the top. Well, if you look at YouTube.com slash Bongino on our account, you can see this. You can watch the video, but I'll describe it to you. I screenshotted this off my phone. This is from news.nike.com. I left this in there. Again, hat tip Keith Urban, who found this. The Year of the Pig Chinese New Year collection brings together 12 years of Nike. So let me get this straight, just in case you missed this, folks. Nike's perfectly fine with pulling the American flag sneaker line because it offends the delicate sensibilities of anti-American activist Colin Kaepernick, right? Right. But they're perfectly okay with celebrating the Chinese New Year, Year of the Pig. I'm not making this up. This is news.nike.com. They're perfectly okay with celebrating the Year of the Pig and the Chinese New Year in some commemoration of the communist totalitarian leaders of China running the largest surveillance police state in the world. No problem there. They're A-okay with that. This is Nike, folks. Phil Knight would be, I believe, horrified. At what's happened to this company. Dude. Unbelievable. These guys suck. You know, yeah. that's the bottom line. No. You know, they do. That's no, not- I, 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 I don't buy it. I don't buy their stuff anymore. Nah. Um, I was a loyal consumer of their products for many years. That's Again, it. I have a pair of sneakers now. Some of you listen to my show, see me in the gym. They're getting worn out. Right. They're going to be replaced soon. But they're not going to be replaced with another set of Nikes. I can tell you that. Um, you know, it's just my choice. I refuse to do this stuff anymore play games and stuff where it's it's fashionable now to crap all over America because you, you cater to the woke crowd. Remember, get woke, go broke, right? <laughs> but then all of a sudden you can uh you, you know crap all over America while catering to the to the the Chinese totalitarian government. It's a total complete disgrace. Nike should be embarrassed. This is I mean they've humiliated themselves repeatedly. What uh, I mean it's one thing to cater to Kaepernick and hire him. It's an entirely other thing right. to pull a line of shoes with the American flag on it. That's just embarrassing. Bingo. Embarrassingly Bingo. stupid. All right. Again, I wake up every morning with, uh, you know, what do I do today to debunk more liberal nonsense? They just can't control themselves. The media. It is unbelievable, Joe. I pointed out to you, what is it, a week ago, two weeks ago, repeatedly, Mm -hmm. how the media continues to use pictures to highlight the border crisis they said wasn't a crisis, but they're now saying is a crisis to make the Trump administration look bad. Try to follow <laughs> yeah, me. The media just weeks ago, <laughs> we played the montage on yesterday's yeah. show. The media just weeks ago and months ago was claiming, you, you heard the montage, if you listen to yesterday's show, if not, please go back and listen. It's a little over a minute of the media suggesting when it was politically advantageous for them that there was no crisis in the border. They were using it to attack Trump, saying he was exaggerating the crisis at the border to get his wall built. 
Then when the crisis at the border, which was always a crisis, started making the evening news because the situation became entirely untenable with tens of thousands of people a week pouring into the United States illegally between ports of entry, all of a sudden the media found another angle. Now instead of attacking Trump for saying there's a crisis, attack Trump for the crisis you now acknowledge. If this is making your head spin um, Reagan exorcist style, remember that one, Joe? Oh, yeah. (laughs) That was freaky, wasn't It's not even possible, by the way. I mean, that was kind of an exaggeration, (laughs) but I don't think William Peter Blatty intended that. But if this is making your head spin, it's supposed to. Media, there's no crisis. Trump's exaggerating. Then this crisis gets out of control and the media can't control the narrative. Media, there's a crisis and it's Trump's fault. This is how dumb the media is. Now, one of the ways now they're highlighting the crisis they said wasn't a crisis, but is now a crisis because they think it's a crisis and they can make a crisis out of the Trump presidency is by using photos continuously that look really awful and using these photos to suggest it's the Trump administration's fault. You think I'm wrong? No. Okay. Let's go to this tweet from The Hill. Incredible. The Hill, which sometimes publishes some good stuff from John Solomon. Uh, Solomon does great work. And then I guess their lefties decide that they're going to do this. At The Hill, their Twitter account. Democrat lawmakers pay tense visit to Texas migrant facility. Again, a horrible photo of of kids sleeping on a floor behind this uh, chain link fence. Ladies and gentlemen, when was that photo taken? That photo was taken yesterday? Last week? Option C, last year. Option D, 2014. I would guess, I don't have to guess because I know, that picture was taken in 2014. Being used again to pillory and hammer the Trump administration for a photo that happened under the prior administration. I mean, I get it. The Hill, some of your lefty writers are looking to hammer these guys. But seriously, can you at least get your facts straight? That is not the facility facility, excuse me, you're talking about in the tweet on the visit. That is a facility from 2014 under the Obama administration. Now, the second tweet, it gets, it's not, oh, it's not just one. Here we go again. The Hill. Again, I kept the dates at the bottom. 7-1-2019. At the Hill, girl says she slept on the floor at a border patrol facility and others were locked up for crying. With a photo of a bunch of people in a, behind a chain link fence, we're assuming they're migrants, under aluminum foil blankets. All right. Now, as Alexander Van Ness pointed out by putting up the original photo, it's kind of small, the text, but I'll read it for you. Here is the file photo. Oh. File. Listen up, Joe. In this Wednesday, June 18th, 2014 file photo, two young girls watch a World Cup soccer match on a TV. It goes on and on. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a 2014 photo. Gosh, to the hill. Can you please get your act together and at least put a note underneath these photos that these are not indicative of current conditions? Can you do basic journalism? Again, I love a lot of people at the Hill. Joe Concha does great work. John Solomon does great work. I get it. They try to uh, present both sides. And I'm not piling on. I'm asking you to do basic journalism. Don't you think it's fair to put at the bottom a note that these are conditions reminiscent of the prior presidential administration and a prior time, not the present day? How is that? How is? I mean, I'm just asking you to do basic journalism. 
The photos you're putting out there are photos of a prior administration's policies. They are not photos of what's going on currently under the Trump administration where he just got billions of dollars to improve the conditions in these facilities. I saw another tweet, not to go on about this, because I have a lot to get to today. It's a big news day. Mm-hmm. But there's a, a tweet online from a guy showing a shower facility, saying, look at these showers that the, you know, the migrants are forced to shower in. Ladies and gentlemen, no, no one's suggesting this is the Ritz-Carlton. Nobody. But if you enter the country illegally in violation of our laws, what were you expecting? The irony of this, Joe, is I saw a, a friend of mine, he tweeted out, uh, John Cardillo tweeted out, you know, when I, he was a cop, I was a cop in New York. Mm-hmm. He said, gosh, the, the showers I used in the police academy were 10 times worse. I remember those, folks. It was pretty horrendous. It was like a cattle call. We had something like 1,500 recruits in our police academy class, so they'd work in shifts. So when you did PT, you'd obviously have to take a shower afterwards. You're all sweaty in the New York summer, running right. down around the streets of New York. You'd take a shower. They would line you up, two, oh. 300 people at a time, for these nasty, like, mold-infested showers at the old police academy in the middle of Manhattan. And you, you didn't think anything of it, Joe. You walked in with your soap, your shampoo. You had, like, you know, the... Whatever, yeah. you had 30, 40 seconds, and so, all right, move along. And that was just the way it was. Keep in mind, we were the law enforcers, not the people who broke the law. And yet this video I see on Twitter is of a shower. You're like, well, what's wrong with the shower? I don't understand. Well, I mean, what were you expecting? Bidets in there? You, you broke the law. We're doing the best we can to facilitate humane conditions under an unprecedented wave of illegal migrants coming to the country in violation of our law. What were you expecting? Smith and Walensky catered meals, gold plated shower nozzles, multiple shower heads with dove soap. I mean, what were you expecting? Oh, yes, yes. Ah, that's awful. I mean, it's really sad yeah. the media can't tell the truth here. Blaming us, blaming us, the United States government, while liberals simultaneously claim government has all the answers. We're spending $4 trillion a year, the United States government. The government can't figure out how to stem an immigration crisis. When I talk about the government, I'm not blaming Trump. I'm blaming the government. The government is the judicial branch, the legislative branch as well, rhinos and bad Democrats as well. Mm. They can't figure out how to fix this problem. And you get people like AOC and these other libs running out there on a bigger government suggesting if we spend more money, they'll fix the problem they caused. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Nice work. Tell why I'm a little bit salty today. Yeah, you're getting me that way too, man. I know. Sorry. Yeah, that's fine. It is what it is. We had some equipment issues this morning, too, which are contributing to my general saltiness. Man. Well, I hope you all have a good, wonderful Independence Day tomorrow. As I said, we are taking our first vacation day ever. Joe deserves it. We, you know, we've been around. Thank Joe you. doesn't get any vacation. We have worked every single Man. weekday for the last five years you too. putting together a Man. show. So. Yeah, which uh, I'm always proud of that. It's amazing. We've we've done 1,015 shows already. It's like incredible. That? Wish we could find show number one, which was taken off of SoundCloud. Remember I, that, Joe? I think I may have found one of the Remember first Remember we five. made that mistake on the show <laughs> yeah. where they took it down? <laughs> 
That'd be a classic. One of these days, we'll locate yeah. that. It'll be like a T-Rex fossil. All right, today's show also brought to you by our buddies at Harry's, the best razor on the market. Look at this thing. This is the finest, sleekest razor out there. Gives you a nice, close shave. Got the cover on, so I don't, you know, cut myself. But this, <laughs> I love this razor. It's my favorite razor. I use it to shave. Listen, it's got a lubricating strip. It doesn't have any of these fancy gimmicks nobody uses, okay? There's no flexi balls, flux capacitors, uh, V8 engines on the back. This is just the finest, sharpest bladed razor for the cleanest, closest shave you're ever going to see. And it's good looking. Look at that. Check that out. Yeah, That's my baby. Harry's razors right there. Listen, a lot of guys buy disposable razors when they travel. But this summer, you don't have to sacrifice quality for price. Harry's delivers high-quality, travel-friendly, which I do a lot, shave supplies at a great low price, just $2 per blade. Join the 10 million who've tried Harry's. Claim your special offer now by going to harrys.com slash Bongino. Harry's founders were two regular guys, tired of the overpriced gimmicks. Listen, your razor shouldn't look like something out of Star Wars. It should look and feel like a razor. Some of these tactics lead to this dramatic overpricing. Not with Harry's. Harry's makes quality, durable blades, blades at a fair price, just $2 per blade. To keep prices low, they cut out the middleman. They own a world-class blade factory in Germany, make some of the best razor blades in the world. They have a 100% quality guarantee. You don't love your shave? Let them know. They'll give you a full refund at Harry's because that's what they're all about. Refresh your wallet and your face this summer with a Harry's trial set. Here's what it comes with. Weighted ergonomic handle for an easy grip. Five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and a trimmer blade for a close shave. I use it around the uh, facial hair. Rich lathering shave gel will leave you smelling great and a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy on the go. Redeem your trial set at harrys.com slash Bongino. harrys.com slash Bongino. Let them know the Bongino show sent you to help support the show. All right. Let's see. All right. Uh, this is an important piece here. So Real Clear Investigations, hat tip my buddy 279 and others who pointed this out to me. Real Clear Investigations has an absolutely terrific piece that I can't recommend you read in strong enough terms. It'll be up at the show notes. It's by Eric Felton, July 1st, 2019. Title, Insinuendo. Like insinuating an innuendo. Insinuendo. Why the Mueller report doth repeat so much. Folks, Excellent, excellent work by Eric Felton. Uh, go to Bongino.com to read it under the show notes. Click on podcast. They're right there. Or you can subscribe to my email list, which I implore you to do, and I will send these right to your email box every morning. We won't spam your inbox, I promise. Ladies and gentlemen, this points out something critical. Um, Mueller's going to be testifying on July 17th. And as I've said repeatedly, the Mueller report, ladies and gentlemen, I feel sorry for you if you believe the Mueller report is a legitimate investigatory document. It is not. The Mueller report is a 400-page opinion piece written in a very deceptive, slimy, slithery, kind of snaky way to make you believe that the Trump team committed crimes that did not, in fact, exist. How do they do that? The best example of this, what uh, Felton calls, and I'm going to steal that term. I'll footnote it. Of course, I don't steal anything. But uh, the best example of what he calls insinuendo, insinuations and innuendo in the Mueller report. I have to give you an analogy to describe what the Mueller report does, because it'll make more sense as we talk about some of the snippets from this piece. If I were to write a report about a bank robbery, Joe Armacost allegedly, we're going to have to add this to his list of crimes, allegedly committed. A bank robbery. And I'm the investigator like Bob Mueller and Andy Weissman, um, his lieutenant, 
his Democrat lieutenant. If I wanted to paint Joe as a bad guy, even though I knew Joe didn't rob the bank, what I could do is I could write a report. And in that report, Joe, I could make events that are seemingly innocuous. Mm -hmm. I say seemingly innocuous because I can make them seem and imply that you are guilty without ever charging him. Yes. Follow me here. And if Joe, you're the audience ombudsman, stop me if this gets confusing. Yes. So what Mueller wants to do to Trump is say what I want to do to Joe. I can't charge Joe with a crime because I know Joe didn't rob a bank. But I want to destroy Joe's reputation publicly and give information for investigators to keep going and investigate Joe in the future. But I don't have the guts to charge Joe. Why? Because if I charge him and I know he doesn't commit a crime, one, I'll be guilty of, uh, of legal malpractice. Uh-huh. But secondly, the case will be laughed out of court and I'll be humiliated. Uh-huh. Now, Mueller hates Trump. Weissman hates Trump. They wanted to write a report that would damage Trump's reputation without charging him with anything. So what they did is what I'll do against Joe. All right. Okay. So I know Joe goes to Bank of America somewhere in Arnold where he lives in Maryland. Well, I don't actually mm-hmm. know that, but I'm guessing, right? Good enough. So, Joe, I write a report saying that the, this bank, we know the bank, let's say, was robbed on uh, on August 2nd of last year. So on August 2nd of last year, I write a report saying Joe got in his car on August 2nd at 9 o'clock in the morning. Uh, we had a GPS tracking of Joe's car. Joe was in front of the Bank of America at this point. Joe parked in the vicinity of the Bank of America. The bank was robbed at 10 o'clock. We know Joe was in the area at 10 o'clock. Joe went home later that night. Later that night, we saw Joe getting out of the car. Joe had a, a, a bulge in his pocket. Um, he wasn't happy to see people. It was, in fact, money uh, in his wallet. We know Joe had an extra large wad of cash that day. We know Joe's neighbor reported coming by to help him out the following day with an electric job in the house. Right. We know Joe gave the the neighbor a $100 tip, a uh, cash tip for helping him. Uh, you get what you get yeah, without man. going on and on. You get what I'm doing here, right? Yeah. I'm painting a picture. Keep in mind, I know Joe didn't rob the bank, mm-hmm. but what I'm doing and what Mueller did in the Mueller report is he included a, a set of, of facts, things we know. What I just told you about Joe were facts. Yes. Joe did get in his car. Joe did have money. And Joe did give the neighbor a $100 tip the next day. And Joe was near the Bank of America in Arnold. Yes. Those are facts. Man. Just like it's a fact that Manafort had some contact with Kalimnik, that Papadopoulos met with Downer. But notice the framing of the facts. Mm-hmm. Now we find out later other sets of facts left out of my report on Joe that the reason Joe was near Bank of America is because there's an ATM across the street at Sal's Sweet Shop. Joe went over there to the ATM, picked up an ice cream, got some money. That's why he had a bulge in his pocket going back. We also find out that Joe got that bulge in his pocket because he had a good week. He got a bonus at his job, whatever it may be. And he felt like because the neighbor helped him out a lot that he owed him. So we gave him a hundred bucks for all his past help. Now, all of a sudden, the story I told you about Joe that made it seem like he robbed the bank is an innocent story about Joe going to the sweet shop to get ice cream and taking care of his neighbor. That is what Mueller did. There are a couple of examples in this piece I want to paint for you that just decimates this Mueller report for doing this through insinuendo, which is a great one, man. Uh, Snippet number one from the piece, which is important. Yeah. It talks about Papadopoulos. Here's how they frame the Papadopoulos meeting in the Mueller report. Papadopoulos suggested to a representative of a foreign government that the Trump campaign had received indications from the Russian government that it could assist the campaign through the, through the anonymous release of information that would be damaging to Hillary Clinton. Oh, oh my gosh. 
Papadopoulos suggested to a foreign government rep that there was going to be a release of info damaging to Hillary? My gosh, collusion. He goes on, Felton. He says how this should actually read is, Papadopoulos said to Australian diplomat Alexander Downer that a professor who had traveled to Russia had told him Russia had damaging information about Hillary and might release it before the election. Kind of a different story, folks, no? Notice what Mueller always does. Mueller and Weissman. Listen, Mueller did a snake job on Donald Trump. I am sorry if you insist on defending this man. He has shown in his later career when he took over the Mueller probe. I'm not knocking the guy's service to the country. I'm telling you his later career has shown himself to be a snake. And if he's listening, I hope he hears that. What he did was disgraceful. Misud was not a representative of the Russian government. He was a Maltese professor who had allegedly heard about some Hillary damaging information, which was all over the media. Stop spinning this stuff. Now, I covered that one yesterday, so there's no need to beat this thing to death, to beat a dead horse on this spinuendo. But there is another one I've covered in the past that is equally as damaging. And look what Mueller does. He he sneaks this little line in at the end to pretend that this guy is some devious Russian intelligence operator. And then watch what he does at the end of this. Here's the second portion of the Felton piece again, which is very good and worth your time. He says, Mueller, even as he puts the darkest possible gloss on the most pedestrian of acts and connections, Mueller whistles past genuinely alarming information. Get a load of this, folks. He sometimes does both in the same paragraph. The Mueller report includes an extended section on Paul Manafort's meetings with his sometime Russian-Ukrainian business associate, Konstantin Kalimnik. Quote from the Mueller report, folks. Manafort twice met with Kalimnik in person during the campaign period. Oh, oh no. This takes on malign implications given that the special counsel introduced Kalimnik back on page six with the damning allegation that, quote, the FBI assesses Kalimnik to have ties to Russian intelligence. (gasps) Oh, no. So just to be clear. Mueller and his snake team of Democrat operatives are painting in their report these dangerous ties between Manafort and this guy Kalimnik, who the FBI thinks is connected to Russian intelligence. Oh, the piece continues. Look what Mueller just secretes in at the end and pretends it's not there. Check this out. This goes <laughs> on just beautifully. Felton covers this from the piece. We're told... This is, again, from the Real Clear Investigations piece. We're told that Kalimnik traveled to New York to see Manafort. A very dire development, no doubt. <laughs> you like how I highlight this stuff? But I mean, it's like story time. But then the special counsel finishes the paragraph with the throwaway line, throwaway line that, quote, from the Mueller report, Kalimnik then traveled to Washington, D.C., where he had prearranged meetings with the State Department employees. <laughs> oh. Oh, you mean the Obama State Department? So you mean the same guy you're suggesting before had contacts with Manafort and you believe is a Russian intel operative, then traveled to meet with Obama's State Department where he was a source? And he he puts it in there at the end, hoping you won't notice any of this. This guy is unbelievable. He doesn't describe in detail as Kalimnik was a source for Obama's State Department, a trusted intelligence source. 
So as long as Kalimnik is meeting with Obama officials, it's okay. But when he meets with Manafort, it's painted as he's a Russian intel operative, according to the FBI. You see what they did there? Oh, dude, yeah. Joe was in the vicinity of Bank of America. Yeah, we have the videotape of the guy robbing Bank of America. It's not Joe. Joe was going to the Sal sweet shop next door to get ice cream, not the bank. You dopes. (laughs) (laughs) There is a little uh, crepe store over there by that Bank of America in the back road Uh in Arnold. I don't know if you've ever been down there. By uh, Squizzito's Pizza, Joe. Yeah. Yeah, There there was a yogurt place over there, too. My time in Saverna Park, reminiscent from Uh the good old days. Folks. It's clear what Mueller's doing. He is writing an opinion piece designed exclusively to damage the Trump team. This is the biggest snake job I have ever seen. The fact that Mueller's reputation, he thinks it's going to be salvaged when history tells the real story of this, is embarrassing to Mueller. He has really destroyed his entire reputation as a nonpartisan actor. I always say Weissman didn't destroy his reputation, Mueller's lieutenant, because he never had one. He's always been a disgrace to the legal process. So Weissman had no reputation to ruin. Mueller did. This was embarrassing. Hey, just a couple more quick notes on this. Mm-hmm. He also talks about in there, Michael Cohen and his relationship with this Georgie Rizalazdi. I always say the name wrong. This is those infamous texts where Michael Cohen, Trump's lawyer, references these tapes. Mueller writes about the tapes. And of course, the insinuendo again, and this is in the piece, but uh, I'm just bringing it up quick here. This is the insinuendo that Michael Cohen, Trump's lawyer, was somehow working to suppress these devious Trump tapes that were out. Remember the P tape? You know what oh, I'm saying? Yeah. And yeah, others. Yeah. But yeah, but Riz Alazdi goes on to say that, hey, listen, I have no evidence whatsoever these tapes even existed. Mueller conveniently leaves that out of his report, but that's how insinuendo works. That's what they do, folks. All right, I've got a lot more to get to. Important. Uh, liberalism can't hack it, even in liberal states. Another liberal governor collapsing his state. People are now running from this guy uh, like he has leprosy or the plague or something. They, this guy, <laughs> Liberalism can't, doesn't even work in liberal states. I got that. And I've got some video I missed yesterday of Chucky Schumer. This is Save this video, folks. It's a doozy because okay. Chuck Schumer is now, again, taking completely opposite positions on the same thing. Uh, it's important. All right, before we get to that last uh, sponsor of the day, but a good one. Ladies and gentlemen, clutter. We love clutter because if you're moving to a new place, like me, having a baby or just condoing your life, you're probably looking for to free up some space. Self-storage is always an option, but it's not convenient. What if there was a way to store your valuables without breaking your back or your bank account? There is meat clutter. C-L-U-T-T-E-R, the world's largest on-demand storage provider. When it comes to making life easier, Clutter is the undefeated champ. Their on-demand experience takes the self out of self-storage. With Clutter, finding an affordable place to stash your things has never been simpler. Just sit back, relax, and let Clutter take care of the rest. It's the world's largest full-service on-demand storage experience. No guesswork, no wasted space. Clutter helps you find out exactly how much storage you need. It takes zero effort. Just schedule a pickup. Clutter will be there to pack and move your belongings to store in a secure facility. The best part, check this out. Clutter's price match guarantee means you get the lowest possible monthly storage rate. They have an online photo inventory, so you never forget what's in storage. Who's better than you? The schedule delivery date online, Clutter will get it to you in 48 hours or less. Don't pay for more packing or delivery. It's all included in Clutter's low monthly rate. Don't waste any more time searching for, searching for packing materials, scheduling movers. Go to Clutter. They have a great sign-up bonus now for our listeners. Get $50 off your first month when you sign up at clutter.com slash Bongino. 
That's on top of Clutter's no-hassle moving online inventory management, free pickup and delivery, and price match guarantee. See why Clutter is better and get $50 off your first month at clutter.com slash Bongino. That's clutter.com slash Bongino. Enter promo code Bongino at checkout. $50 off. Can't beat that. Okay. As I always say, liberalism, even uh, uh, you know, conservatism benefits conservatives and liberals. Liberals, ironically, damages liberals and conservatives at the same time. Yeah. There is no better evidence of this when you get a state that is monopolized by liberal rule or a city like New York and it proceeds to collapse under people like Bill de Blasio. Well, similarly, what's happening right now in New Jersey? New Jersey has been dominated by liberal politics for a very long time now. Despite the Chris Christie terms, uh, New Jersey has been going deep blue for a very long time, especially in national races where they haven't voted for a Republican, I believe, since George H.W. Bush. Folks, liberal governor of New Jersey, far left governor of New Jersey, Phil Murphy, um, has turned the state to a liberal haven. He has instituted a number of sanctuary type policies, illegal immigration. He's been trying to push through a millionaire's tax. These millionaire's taxes fail everywhere. They remember the millionaire's tax they tried in France. What did everybody do? The millionaires promptly left France and even the liberals in France uh, rescinded, rescinded the millionaire's tax. Joe, remember the millionaire's Bullshit. tax in Maryland? Oh, yeah. That liberal governor O'Malley? Oh, yeah. This thing was a disaster. They instituted this millionaire's tax. Joe was at was working <laughs> in morning radio at the time, yeah. morning talk radio. Remember all the people called in about Woo! that? The, the millionaire's tax was supposed to raise hundreds of millions of dollars in Didn't Maryland. Work. It actually lost hundreds of millions. What yeah. happened, Joe? They all left to go Please, to Virginia. Come back. That's Don't what leave. happened in Maryland. Oh, come so back. genius, and I by oh, genius dude. I mean uh, I mean the <laughs> anti-genius. I mean the opposite of genius. I was going to say something else, but we'll keep it kid friendly. Uh, progressive liberal yeah. governor of New Jersey, Phil Murphy, decided to be a good idea. To by the way, he's very wealthy himself, so he doesn't really uh -huh. care because the money probably won't affect him. Decided it would be a good idea to push for a millionaire's tax. Now you may be saying, "What's the problem, folks?" New Jersey's a liberal state, moving far left rapidly. Just pass it, right? Yeah. Well, where did the friction, let's say, come from? Well, obviously it came from Republicans in the state and conservatives who thought it was a stupid idea just based on things like facts and data, which are always inconvenient for liberals, that is. The pushback, Joe, is this National Review piece we pointed out came from. The pushback came from liberals, including Senate President Steve Sweeney, who is a Democrat. Ooh. Steve Sweeney, a Democrat, basically told him, the New Jersey State Senate president, mm -hmm. no dice, Governor Murphy. We ain't doing this millionaire's tax. Here's a budget without it. And you can sign it or you can shut down the government, but we ain't instituting this baby. Now, what happened? Mm. Because of the, many of the New Jersey listeners know this, because of the fallout from the government shutdown during the prior Chris Christie mm -hmm. administration, remember the beach photo? Yeah, but Chris yeah, yeah. Christie was was photo remember that yeah. photographed on a beach that was shut down during the government <laughs> shutdown. It was a political disaster for him. There's obviously a little bit of shell shock over shutting the government down. So Murphy had no choice but to backtrack. But my point in this article, folks, is to point out to you that the exodus from these liberal states is going to continue if they don't dial back the radicalism. Remember. National liberal radicalism at the presidency level, what we saw under the Obama administration, you have to move out of the country. And most Americans aren't going to do that. We're still the greatest country on earth. That's not how it applies at state level politics. We have covered this story repeatedly. 
how state-level far-left policies are ruining these states and people are leaving in droves. There is a mass exodus going on right now from these states for states like Florida, Texas, and other states that have no state income tax. It's not the taxes aren't the only reason. Liberalism isn't the only reason. I don't want to be ridiculous, Mm -hmm. but it is a significant swath of the people who are leaving, who are just tired of it. And if New Jersey can't even get one of these taxes passed over a, a, a liberal state Senate and a liberal state house, then where else is it going to work? The answer is it's not. There's an interesting line at the end of that National Review piece, which I have in the show notes, by the way. It's short, sweet, worth your time. Again, check it out at the show notes. That uh, they're having a tough time finding, uh, locating people in polls, uh, Murphy voters, because no one will admit voting for this guy. <laughs> so Phil Murphy, again, showing liberalism doesn't work. All right. Speaking of liberals backtracking on their own dopey liberalism, I neglected to play this video in yesterday's show, and I'm kicking myself in the butt for it. Just to recap the story a bit, Donald Trump, President Trump, is proposing another bold tax initiative. The tax initiative is going to be to index capital gains to inflation. I explained it yesterday, but the gist of it is this. If you bought stocks or an asset, say, 10 or 20 years ago for $1,000, it is now appreciated. It's worth $5,000, whatever it may be, stocks, a house, gold, whatever it may be. You have to pay capital gains on that 4000 in profit, right? Donald Trump is proposing, which is an excellent move, indexing that to inflation. So if we wipe out the inflation, you really didn't make $4,000. You maybe made $1,000. That's the only thing Mm. you're going to pay taxes on. Excellent, excellent move. You should not have to pay taxes because the U.S. government's monetary policy deflates deflates away the value of your dollar. Your dollar's worth less and buys it. You shouldn't have to pay taxes on that. Now, Chuck Schumer and Pelosi have already come out again. It's a handout to the rich. It's income inequality. It's a birdie. Said, it's not fair. Hey. Of course they're going to do this. Yeah. Now, this is a brilliant idea to do this because it's going to incentivize people to invest back in companies in the United States. Who agrees with us? Chucky Schumer. You may say, wait, 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 Dan, time out. Chuck Schumer. Chuck Schumer has been, you just said Chuck Schumer's against this. Yeah, he's against it. Before he was for it and against it. Remember, they flip, flop, flip, flop, flip. This is what Democrats do. Here is video of a younger, more brown-haired Chuck Schumer before he went all gray (laughs) when he was a congressman from New York saying how wonderful an idea it is to index capital gains uh, uh, taxes to inflation. Check this out. If we really want to increase growth, there are proposals that we can do. I would be for indexing all capital gains and savings and borrowing. And that indeed would shift the balance in this country away from too much consumption, too much borrowing, and towards more savings and investment over the long run. Hmm. <laughs> it's so easy. It is so easy with these guys. It is so. That's actually brilliant economic, a uh, brilliant economic analysis. He's not wrong there. Sh- Congressman Schumer at the time is absolutely spot on. Can I just can I tell a quick funny Chuck Schumer story, Joe? Would you mind? Yeah, man. So right I, I'm doing this advance for Hillary Clinton with the Secret Service out in the Hamptons when she was the first lady and she was running for Senate in New York. It's a long time ago, obviously. And uh, we're at this house. Chuck Schumer's the congressman at the time, and he's trying to latch on to the Hillary Clinton brigade. She was very popular at the time. So he wants to join us in this motorcade. You know, it was a first lady's motorcade, so it's not a presidential <laughs> one, but it's a pretty decent size. 
And we go to slide him in this motorcade. And at the time, I believe he had this old beaten up Ford Taurus. It was like rusting. And everything. It was so nasty. And I remember specifically thinking to myself, we can't, we had to sweep the car and do the whole thing. We can't slip this thing in the motorcade. I said, put it at the end. Why? Because I was so convinced the car was going to break down that if it broke down in front of one of the cars we needed in the motorcade to continue on, we'd yeah. be stuck behind this guy on a one lane road. So I remember saying to the, the agent at the scene, stick his car at the end. I don't care what he says. He probably remembers that, Chuck Schumer. At the Hampton. It was this old busted Ford Taurus. It was the old days of Chuck Schumer. But there's Schumer getting back to my story in a, in a, a very cogent, sound economic analysis. Index inflation, uh, capital gains to inflation, therefore reduce consumption. Consumption is by its nature the destruction of wealth. It's not a bad thing, but if you buy a hot dog and eat it, you've destroyed, the, you've consumed it. You've yeah. consumed, you use your wealth to buy the hot dog. Not a bad thing, necessary for survival, but investment. Investment is where a country gets wealthier. I said that yesterday during yesterday's show where I cited the Obama recovery in that Forbes piece, how net direct private investment is at some of the lowest in American history under the Obama administration. Ladies and gentlemen, investment works. When you reduce capital gains taxes, you free up more money amongst free American citizens to take that money and reinvest it back in American businesses. Invest it. What does that do? It allows the businesses, Joe, to buy more efficient equipment that make better computers that in turn filter through the economy that enable workers in the economy to work faster on better computers which enables them to produce more stuff, more healthcare, more medicines, more cars, which enables them to get to work faster, which enables them to save more money on gasoline. You see this virtuous cycle, but this all stems from investment. Investment, not consumption. Consumption is necessary, no doubt, but it is investment in American businesses that allows them to operate more efficiently. It's called productivity to produce more output from the same inputs or the same output from less inputs. That is the essence of wealth. Investment in business to produce products and services we need. It is the products and services that make us wealthy. Schumer was absolutely right. But the Schumer of today, who could debate the Schumer of old, of course, is absolutely wrong. Now he says, it's for the rich. He's just making that up. You can tell he knows the difference. But like most Democrats, sadly, he's just lying and making it up. I should have played that yesterday. I'm, I'm kicking myself yeah, for forgetting. We have so much stuff to get to. Um, you know, we've been backlogged with so much material. I want to make sure I get it all to you before the July 4th Independence Day holiday. Okay. Um, so this is one of those, I don't do these stories often, these lighthearted kind of newsy stories. But given that I live in Florida, I wanted to just put this out there. Story in the New York Daily News, which should frighten the heck out of all of us. Um, cockroaches are evolving. Uh, poisons. We can't kill the cockroaches anymore. By oh, no. Brian Nimitz, New York Daily News, July 1st, 2019. Uh, headline, cockroaches are evolving to a point where they'll be nearly impossible to kill it's kind of a silly article but it's the point of it is these cockroaches are all of the poisons we use to kill them <laughs> they're becoming immune to these poisons they're not killing them anymore right. now i only bring this up because i live in florida and the cockroaches down here in florida they're not the german cockroaches they're those palmetto they call them palmetto, palmetto bugs down here yeah. which is a, a fancy term for really big hairy cockroaches they are the most frightening things on planet earth i mean uh, we have crocs uh, we have alligators down here excuse me not crocodiles alligators down here there's probably some sharks i don't worry about that i worry about the palmettos these are the 
nastiest things ever. And if they're evolving to poisons, I'm going to be genuinely perturbed. Hey, listen, I have no problem with self-deprecating humor, but these things are scary looking. They're mm. about this big. You can hit them with a baseball bat, and I swear they have Kevlar-coated armor and like <laughs> laser beams that come out of your eyes. I'm not joking. I have slammed some of these things so hard, and they run away, and then they turn around and smile at you and laugh. So the stories about the German cockroaches up in New York, please don't tell me the palmettos down here are becoming immune to poisons too. I Florida oh. is the greatest state on earth. Move down here. But I'm telling you, it's great. You will love it. It is. I love it. The weather's terrific. The people are awesome. The business environment is great. But the only downside is when you see your first palmetto. I guess if you grew up in the South, it's not that big of a deal. But when you see your first palmetto as a Northerner, you're like, what is that? Palmetto. What is, is, that a, is that a dinosaur? Do we just have a dinosaur? Is that a prehistoric <laughs> dinosaur? <laughs> How many times have I told you about these palmettos? Yeah. So hopefully the poisons are still working yeah, the, on the, the palmetto. The name's not so bad. It sounds like a pack of cigarettes. You know, I'll have a pack of palmettos. <laughs> What do you do? Smoke them up? No filters. Palmettos, no filters. It does. I think they do that to not scare the Northerners. That come. I'm serious. Yeah. Don't worry. They're not. They're just palmettos. Those things attack you. Like they come. I'm telling you, they fly too. They're awful. Those suckers fly. Those suckers fly like like yeah. vampire bats. <laughs> The Southerners right now listening to the show are laughing at me. Uh, They're like, I know they must be like Yankees. You Yankees, you come down here afraid of the Palmetto Bucks. Hey, <laughs> I I do not fake the funk on this show, folks. <laughs> that way, all the scars and damn Bongino material comes out. You're going to hear it. Oh, my that gosh. time, first time I saw one of those, I really was like, what the is that? <laughs> Smoke a Palmetto. Have a Palmetto. No filter. <laughs> all right, last story day. It's a good one though. Um, the story's kind of meant to be funny, but it's not. It's it's not. It's it, the story has an angle to it. I'd like to present to you. It has a very serious side. Uh, it was a story in the New York Post about a new trigger for libs. Um, apparently, libs are bothered now by quote wife guys. Uh, griping about quote wife guys is beyond insane. By Carol Markowitz, I have this uh, story up in the show notes again. This is fascinating. I had never heard this before. Apparently, liberals are now bothered by men who talk about their wives a lot. I do on the show. I talk about my wife. She's a, the biggest part of my life. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't. Why would you not? I don't understand. I mean, I don't do it to impress you. Hey, look at me. I've got this. Great. I would just do it because I live with my wife. I love my wife. And it's part of the show. But apparently that's a bad thing now, Joe. I'm a quote wife guy. Mm -hmm. Now. This is kind of insidious, though. I know the headlines kind of, yeah, whatever. You know, they're not really painting it as a very serious story. Weird, yeah. But there's a, something insidious. There's an undercurrent here, which I want to talk about because it's important. It's something I brought up on the show repeatedly about how this liberal agenda kind of seeps into our psyche. Now, from the piece, there's an interesting part in the piece where they talk about this 2016 University of Melbourne study found that women on Facebook use the word husband a lot while men use wife far less frequently. Chris Matazic at CNET called this troubling. Okay, so number one, liberals first are bothered by the fact, just to show you how dopey liberalism is and how they constantly step on each other, kind of following on from the Chuck Schumer story where they take two opposing viewpoints, right? Schumer, capital gains tax cuts are great. Capital gains tax cuts really stink. Liberals in 2016 found it troubling that men don't use the word wife on Facebook a lot. They, they called it, quote, troubling. Mm. So, Joe, not talking about your wife is a bad thing, according to liberals. Got it? All right. Uh, you're the audience of Budsman. Okay. You're tracking, right? You bet. Men who don't talk about their wives. Big trouble. Uh -huh. Now, back to the piece. 
this is liberals again flipping on a dime because, of course, they can't tell a consistent story. Now, of course, liberals find it troubling that men talk about their wives too much. So if they don't talk about their wives, they're bad. And if they do talk about their wives, they're also bad. You're the so-called wife guy. Yes. Now, the gist of the wife guy argument, why liberals now have a beef with men who talk about their wives too much, try to follow this stupidity. I know, folks, Ooh. it's 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 just, it's it's so dumb. Like, I feel bad your aptitude. At your, your, I have to, like, knock down neurons and clip off your dendrites to make you understand this. I get that this is dumb. But the logic behind the wife guy triggering liberals now is that they celebrate their wives because their wives do too much work and they feel bad about it. No. I'm like, wait, what? I don't oh, even what? get... Like you celebrate what your wife does for you because she does things for you that make and enrich your life and make you and your business and your oh. life and your personal life better. I, if you're sitting there, here, here's, oh. if, here's the script. <laughs> this is one of those times. Hat tip, Dave, for the cricket guy. They, they, we should have. This is what we should have heard from liberals on this. Hat tip, Dave, for the pet cricket. <laughs> really cool. We should have heard crickets. Instead, yeah. what do we hear? We hear now talking about your wife is awful. Not talking about your wife is awful. Ladies and gentlemen, what's the insidious undercurrent here? Why is this? Because the story is just dumb. Me trying to explain it to you is making you dumber. <laughs> the reality is it's not that the liberals care if you talk <sighs> about your wife or you don't. That's right, not it. That's right. not the story. This is, I know you, you know where I'm going with this because we talked about yeah. this on one of our first yeah, shows. Man. Liberals, ladies and gentlemen, want to decimate the American family. They do. Their war on the family is generational now. And there's a reason for it. It's tactical. It's not just me putting out a conservative talking point. Liberals want to decimate the family. Why? Because they do. No. There's a tactical reason, a power-centric reason for it. Liberals understand that the family, a traditional American family, which is spiritual, practices their religion, practices their faith, has dinners tonight together, that values are going to be instilled in the next generation, primarily from that family. Follow me. It's not complicated. No, you're good. This is the way it was in America for generations. Mm -hmm. You got your values, your spiritual values, your moral, your, your, your ethics, your staples, who you were, who you watched on a movie when you watched your own life and what you were proud of or not proud of. That came from your family, your mom, your dad, your grandmother, and those values were handed down through generations. Ladies and gentlemen, liberals can't stand that. They have always hated that. Family values are a punchline for liberals, are they not? Their efforts through culture, through Hollywood, to make the American family seem like something pernicious is generational. Because why, though? It's not just that they don't like the American family because they don't like it. They don't like it because they don't want your values coming from the family. They want your values to come from the state. Boom. Remember Hillary Clinton's book? It takes a village. No, it takes a family. Thanks to the village, but it takes a family. That's not what Hillary and her acolytes believe. They want those values to come from state-run institutions. Why? Because the fifth, try to follow me a little bit, Joe, again, stop me if, I, if I'm going off track here, but oh, no, you're good. family values, ladies and gentlemen, are objective, meaning they're not subject to change. They're not subjective. Mm -hmm. Family values, as we've known them in America, are traditional. Respect other people, respect God, respect your faith. These are unmalleable. They're not changeable. 
You don't beat up other people. You don't engage in unprovoked violence. You don't steal from people. You don't engage in, in, in nonstop greed and envy of other people's lives. Liberals don't want that. Why? Because they need subjective values. In other words, values that change depending on the wind. That if your values are not malleable, changeable, they're not from your family, then you're not influ- you're not a- you're not able to be influenced by their ridiculous constant lick the uh, lick the finger wind changing a policy. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. In other words, I highlighted the Schumer video before to show you on. how liberals don't stand for anything. Right. Their values change on the moment. But when your values are, listen, I believe in lower taxes, not because I, you know, it's some kind of political position, because I believe families should be able to spend their money on their families. You know, I believe in religious freedom for me and for my neighbor, too. Liberals don't believe in any of this. This changes with the tide. When Chuck Schumer thought he could advance a Bill Clinton agenda by talking about the capital gains tax, he inflation index, he thought it was great. When Donald Trump is afraid, he changes his mind overnight. When Barack Obama thought it was politically advantageous to attack gay marriage, he did it. When Barack Obama thought it was politically advantageous to support gay marriage, he did it. He says, this is the, the subjectiveness is the essence of liberalism. The family institutes objective, unchangeable values. I'm sorry if that was a little confusing, folks, and I really don't mean to, I'm not trying to get a pie in the sky, you know, uh, otherworldly here mm. when talking about it, but it's important you understand the essence of why liberals do what they do. Our values are not changeable. Economic freedom, healthcare freedom, educational freedom, freedom of religion, freedom of speech, freedom to organize, freedom to assemble, freedom to petition for us and our political opponents. Liberals do not believe any of that. They believe in subjective changing values. Yes, freedom of speech for us liberals, but not for them. That's inherently subjective. It's not an objective principle. Objective principles come from family. Subjective principles come from the state. The liberals need to break the family bonds to make sure you can be bended, molded in the state's subjective values. All right, folks, thanks again for tuning in. I really appreciate it. I hope you have a really wonderful Independence Day with your family. I know I will. I'm taking a little bit of a break. Uh, Joe, you have a nice day off. Thanks, man. You too. I appreciate all of you tuning in to the Fox when I was there, by the way. It means very much. It means a lot to me, so I deeply appreciate it. Please subscribe to our show, youtube.com slash Bongino. It's free. Also on Apple Podcasts, iHeart, and SoundCloud, all free. Check us out, our audio podcast there. We really appreciate it. I will see you all for a new show. On Friday. Don't forget, we'll see you then. Take care. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud. And follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.